news, commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We'll explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible and unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is... Still Still love love you, bro. How's it going? Going good. How about you? Yeah, it's been a week. It has been a week for you, hasn't it? It sure has. We to be home. We happen to interact often in our normal lives, and I could definitely tell that Chris was having a a lovely time doing his job. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be done. Glad to be done. And here we are. I'm at home, and now here you are. That's right. Instead of going home and going to bed on the weekends, we're stuck in the studio. <laughs> Isn't that something? So let's jump right in. Uh, if you remember last week, I gave Jesse and Chloe a homework to watch a film, American Skin. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen it. Go ahead and pause now and watch it. So the reason I brought this up recently, I had two moments of, of profound thought and, and someone mentioned to me about my white privilege. And, and that really started me thinking, where really does this white privilege end? Um, and what these people don't know is, is that I'm discriminated against uh, on a daily basis. So what privilege does a white man have when he's denied services based on his sexual preference, for example? So in American Skin, and I've heard this before, um, before watching the film, people say, I don't see color. And that line makes me cringe when I hear it. Uh, I understand the intended meaning, but I feel that really minimalizes the struggle of minority community. So you, you should see color uh, in as much as you should recognize the fact that um, people struggle for equality. So today our guest is Aaron. Aaron, tell us what struggles you have. That's a very broad uh, question, but I would say just a, a constant fear of how people see and perceive me on a daily basis. Um, being a big black ball guy, walking into places where people feel I shouldn't be, um, I have to adjust how I carry myself. I have to always smile and wave and be over polite because I don't know how I'm going to be perceived. I'm going to be thought of as a threat. So let me ask, where do you go when you feel like there are places where they don't expect you there uh as you know i work for the county it department so i'm walking in buildings and first time i walked into the uh the judicial center i felt as if the the sheriff deputies moved their hands towards the pistol because they didn't just didn't recognize which again you see someone walking around with a big backpack you might want to be a little cautious um it's times where i'm involved a lot of different community organizations and when people when i walk in like oh you're here like they, they didn't expect you to be they black. Didn't, they didn't. I guess not. Wow. Uh, so considering the South and the stereotype, because I understand you're not from the South. Do, do I get that right? I, I was born and raised in Louisiana. Okay. I grew up in outside of Detroit. Okay. I heard so, Michigan at some yeah. point. So um, do you feel those you've experienced subconscious racism? Like have people overtly or even covertly treated you differently? That's hard to say, being that I can't necessarily say, well, it's here or just in my life. Here, which, since you've moved. Or since you've been in this area? Uh, you're either going to run into two things. People are going to overcompensate by being overly nice, or they're going to intentionally avoid you, is what I feel. Wow. Um, hmm. Like I said, I grew up, I was born and raised right outside of um, Baton Rouge in a city called Port Allen. To this day, it's still segregated. I don't think it's intentionally segregated, but just how it is. Hmm. It was not until we went into the city that I saw anyone white. Then we moved to Michigan, where everybody's hmm. in the midst. I honestly did not. My first, I can remember my first time actually noticing that white people had different type of hair. Wow! How old you know? were you when you realized that? Kindergarten to what fifth grade? Wow! 
always watched it, but I never touched it, and I was amazed by it. <laughs> wow, That's and they were and they were amazed. It's like wow, this is just totally different. So, so did you see from from Louisiana to Michigan to here? Did you see three types of of people and the way that they perceived you, or do you feel like maybe the South was a little bit worse, or you know, could you tell that you were moving to different regions and different thoughts? At that young age, I, I could tell the difference. As by when I moved here, I was an adult. So you okay. kind of, you you grow and you understand certain things differently. But as a child, I see it totally different. I feel like as an adult too, you kind of, you, know, you get to the point where you don't care what people think about you, but yeah. you know, that, that's still out there. Um, so one of the things I want to ask, I, I see people say um, that white people being pro-black, and, and when I, what I mean is making a point to hire black or supporting black owned business is a form of racism in itself. How do you feel about that? It depends on how you define racism. Okay. All right. So I don't necessarily see, I view racism as prejudging someone based off of race. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's that when you discriminate against someone based off of race, it becomes a negative thing. Right. So when you intentionally don't support this black business, that's the issue. Going out your way to support, it's not necessarily a problem. I have, I intentionally support business uh, owned and ran by women mm-hmm. because I believe that they are marginalized and don't get all the opportunities. So if as a white man, if you go support a business um, ran by white uh, by um, black people, I don't see anything wrong with that. Now, when you patronize them or don't have the same expectations you have from a white business, that's why I see it as a problem because now you're coddling them. Sure. Right. So kind of in review, what you said is it's a problem when you prejudge somebody based upon the color of their skin, you know, before you know them personally, before you're able to see their character and, and right. how they how they act. Right. Okay. I can agree with that. And and one of the things I noticed in American Skin, and um, I see both sides of this, and, and what really fascinated me is the discussion of uh, profiling. And, you know, they the, the officers in that film make a point that a neighborhood, for example, has a, uh, you know, a certain community, and, and the people in that community want to be protected. And the only way to find people doing bad things is to be pulling over cars. The officers made a point that they are looking for anybody that doesn't belong. They pretty much said, yeah, I, I profiled you. Do you feel that officers, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I don't know how many times you've been pulled over um, with the DUB, DWB, but do you feel, though, that, you know, that profiling is a form of racism or, you know, your community that you live in is is targeted or is being profiled? Yes. Now, profiling, being that I do have a lot of friends and family in law enforcement, so I do have that understanding of how it works. Yes, if you see if you see someone who you have no idea they belong in that neighborhood, you pull them over, but it's how you interact with that individual when you pull them. First neighborhood my wife and I bought a house in, I used to go walk in every morning at 430. The first three months that I was walking in the neighborhood, I got call, cops calling me several times. Wow. But again, big black guy, early in the morning, in the dark, walking around, always have a hoodie on. Now, I think there's a slight crossover between racism and Karens here, honestly, because (laughs) you have to remember that there are people in this world that will go out of their way to complain about things. Sure. And that's probably one of those situations. But like I said, it's a crossover. There are people that, who's to say if it was a white dude walking around, whether no matter what they were dressed that this person wouldn't have called the cops. Like they probably wouldn't have, if you want me to be completely honest. But like I said, it's that Karen racist crossover there. So yeah, people just don't mind their own business. Right. Number one. But I, I, I suspect that when I expect that when, if I see someone walking down my street now at four o'clock in the morning, I'm be a little suspicious. 
But when that cop interacts with me, that determines why I say if it's profiling or it's racism. Mm -hmm. They walk, sir, how you doing? You know, do you um, live in this neighborhood? Do you have an ID? And they move on with their day. Yep. But when they want to search me and question me and all types of things like that or follow me as I uh, as I walk, that's when it becomes a problem. Mm. So we draw the line on how they interact with Exactly. You. Okay. And it's hard to draw distinctions here because obviously I can only speak from my own experiences uh, and what I've seen out in the world. But um, I do think that there is a and and there is an issue um, when it comes to how cops interact with people, and it's not just based upon race. Sometimes you you will have police officers that interact with folks. They're having a bad day. They've you know they might have rolled up on uh, on a shooting of a of a young kid, and they're just they're mad at the world, and they pull you over, and you happen to sass at them, and they decide to give you a rough day back. You know, and that's a that's a problem, but. You know, we have to be honest with ourselves. We're not law enforcement, and we don't know what they go through during the day and what they might have gone through before that. I think the best way to deal with something like this is to just do your best to be nice and be compliant. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the things that I, that um, I, videos I see where you have someone who's argumentative or uh, combative and they may have not done anything wrong and you know in the first place but because they're being argumentative combative they're getting searched they're getting pulled around then they assault the police officer or the police officer assaults them and you have a big controversy that comes from it or in the worst case scenario they get shot a lot of that could have been prevented if they would have just complied and fought it out later in court you're always going to have bad cops but sure. our system is designed around the court system for a reason if someone wrongs you no matter what what your race is uh, but especially if you're an African-American because of the history that we've had with this sort of, this sort of instance, the best way, in my opinion, to get past that is to just comply, let it happen. It will be on video. There will be a badge cam or there's going to be someone we video. We hope, we right. Hope. <laughs> or there's going to be someone videotaping on the side. Let it happen. And then when you get to court, it will probably be resolved in your favor if something was done wrong. You know, and what's scary, though, is, is you say probably and. You know, if you look at incarceration rates, there's a huge difference. I mean, there is bias. Um, you know, we, we, we can disagree on that, which is the point of the show. But um, I see a clear bias um, towards, you know, certain certain segments of the population. And, and it shouldn't be that way. The court, like you said, you should rely on the court to be able to protect your rights. But, um, you know, the fact is, if you look at the statistics on who's locked up for what, um, it, I think the legal system is biased a little bit. And I, I you know. We're never going to have a perfect legal system. I think that's you know an obvious thing, but we should work towards that perfection as much as we can and hunt out and and fix those biases when we find them. Um, but we also have to remember that um, when it comes to the it's there's there's not an easy this is why um, there is a higher incarceration rate per capita of uh, African Americans than there are white people. There's no easy way to say this is exactly why. It's it's not just because of racism. It's not just because of culture. It's not just because of area or or um, or income. All those factors can play into it in different ways. So, it, and a lot of people, especially on the conservative side, you know, speaking from what I've heard, is uh, they will they will say it is this problem. You know, they'll say this is the problem. It's not racism. This is the problem. That's not true either. You know, it, like like you said. There are problems in the court system when it comes to bias and against certain segments of the population. But we do have to, we can't narrow that down to say this is the only problem, this is the only reason why. Sure. We'll end this segment with this. Um, 
you know, there's there's a lot of talk of the problem. Um, everybody says that that there's an issue and this is a problem, but there's not a lot of conversation around how do you fix it. And that's one of the things that's, re- that's really bugged me because, you know, really when you're young and, and you hear this so much that, you know, you're, you don't, you're not taught racism when you're young. You play with your friends. You don't even think about it. You don't understand what it is until you're older. And and I think it has a lot to do with the environment. You you grow up in an environment where you hear words, you see actions that, you know, tip you that way. So how do you fix it? And and that's what's bugged me for a long time. And, and the only solution that I have, and, and we'll go around the, the table here, but, you know, my thoughts on how to fix it is have conversation. Um, and that's one thing that never happens. Uh, and that's one of the things that that, that film really really struck with me is that, you know, it's a conversation and, and a conversation may not have an outcome, but you have to talk. And unless you realize that there are people out there who feel differently than you, uh, that see it differently, then there'll never be a compromise. I guess a good place to start is treat people how you want to be treated. I agree. Conversation is where everything needs to start. But also when you have the conversation, you got to be willing to give them all your bias, be able to just totally listen and put yourself in the other person's situation, the other person's seat. Because just talking doesn't always do anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. And like one of the things that I really enjoyed when you first started talking about this is, is you know, I, I like hearing other people's viewpoints on life. I like seeing, I, I want to see through other people's eyes. And even though I can, you know, when I'm sitting in the car with my buddy or something, we can just go on a crazy conservative rant conversation about all these problems. But when you sit across the table from someone and you have a, a conversation and you really see it from their point of view, it, it changes things. It makes it, it, it almost if you take it the right way, it almost suppresses your strong feelings. Does that make sense? Sure. And I think the other problem is that people, unfortunately, typically just don't give a damn about other people and their mm, feelings. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes hard to cross that bridge. Right. Um, it, it's easy to sit down and, and give your opinions, but um, you know, if you don't care how the other person receives that, then, then nothing will change. So my uh, little subject here is something I wanted to talk about last time. And, uh, um, it was actually uh, kind of interesting. I think we'll have some good conversation about this because it touches on a few issues I know we're strong about. Uh, so many of you might have seen The Mandalorian. It's like one of the most popular shows right now. I love The Mandalorian. I, I just fell in love with the show ever since. I'm a huge Star Wars I'm fan. I'm a closet fan. I, yeah. yeah so. I have a Grogu knitted on my desk. Oh, I actually 3D printed a Grogu. And nice. it was amazing. See, I, I 3D printed him before we knew what his name was, so it was just Baby Yoda on the bottom. <laughs> it's a closet group of Mandalorian fans. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I think everybody. Everybody has that in their closet somewhere. Anyway. Under. Anyway, so uh, anyway, it, you might have heard about it, uh, if, if you're on Twitter especially, there was a campaign uh, to fire um, one of the uh, uh, actresses in that uh, series. I saw that. Gina Carano is her name. She played... Um, Clara Dune, I believe that's the name. Yeah. So Gina Carano, this awesome, strong female character uh, in in The Mandalorian. Um, she turns out that she's actually conservative. And believe it or not, she hasn't actually uh, been involved in politics at all until I think about halfway through the filming of it. And and, uh, and I actually watched an interview with her and uh, um, the guy from The Daily Wire. I can't remember the dude that debates everybody. You know, you saw that. You were destroyed by what's his name? You remember that? Uh, no. Okay. I, that, <laughs> we are certainly conservative sources. So anyway, uh, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. That's what it is. So, um, so anyway, did an interview with her, or with him and her, and uh, she kind of gave the perception that you know, hey, I haven't really been involved with this, but most recently with everything that's been going on with with the election and and kind of the the ex- 
extreme views that are developing on both sides of the aisle. She wanted to get involved because she felt like it was her thing. So one of the things that she did is she made a couple posts. Um, she compared uh, or uh, she made some uh, controversial posts about um, uh, when people were putting in their tri- uh, Twitter profile um, what pronouns they wanted to be called. So him, her, what's the other, you know, all that stuff. And, yeah. Um, she actually put in her Twitter bio, beep, bop, boop. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> you think it's funny, right? It's funny. It's, it's, it's a, it's a joke. She kind of didn't think of it as a joke. I think what sure. she explained it to be was I can put whatever I want in my bio. Everyone else is, you know, she was being pressured to put her pronouns in her bio. So she picked whatever pronouns she wanted and put them in her bio. Um, so this was not public, but during that incident, when that was happening, um, she got called behind the scenes at Disney and there was this whole internal investigation about whether or not she had biases towards transgender people. And they actually, like, they like had a committee come and like talk to her. Because of beep, boop, bop. Right. Because of beep, bop, boop. Right. Yeah. Th- those three words, apparently, those are difficult to say on Twitter. Wow. So uh, the reason was is because Fire Gina Carano started trending after, trending after she did that. So. Um, so she actually said in this interview that like they had her, they wanted to sit her in front of like 40 members of the transgender community for them to express their opinions about that. And she was very uncomfortable with that. Full on congressional exactly. inquiry. It's like a hearing. So wow. she did in the end, she didn't do that. I think they wanted to do a zoom meeting because obviously it's the middle of coronavirus, but, uh, I don't think she did that. She refused to do that, but she was still employed. So she finished out her filming of the Mandalorian and everything. Um, and she made some more posts, and they weren't honestly that controversial. They were talking about things like um, uh, typical conservative things about the election and how you should be nice to your neighbors and stuff like that. And I say just typical conservative things, typical nice things, in my opinion. Sure. But then Humanly she things. then she made a a um, I don't have it here pulled up. I thought it was in this article, but it's not. But she made a a post that was the straw that broke the camel's back, um, where she it was a picture of a a. Uh, a Jewish woman during the Holocaust running away uh, from a bunch of Nazi soldiers. And uh, essentially, uh, she said, you know, the German people, you know, they didn't realize this is what was going to happen. They were really mean to their neighbors. They started hating their neighbors, started hating the people that lived next to them. And, and it said, be careful about how you feel about the people next to you, because good things don't happen when you hate your neighbor. And that was drawing a comparison to, yeah, what happened to in the Holocaust was terrible, and it's and it got about because people started absolutely hating their neighbors because they were being told politically to do that. So she drew a Holocaust comparison, and that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back. They thought that was completely inappropriate. Fire Gina Carano started trending again, and then Lucasfilms made the decision to drop her and expunge her character from the Star Wars universe. Wow. So, what do you think about that? I read, well, first off, it, it's sad because anything you say now, especially if you're in a public position like that, um, can can be taken and, you know, looked at different ways. And so where do you draw the line of your personal opinion and, and the opinion of, of your employer? That had to be a tough one. And, you know, sure, maybe she meant no harm, but when you're in that, that public of a position, uh, it can certainly ruin you. Prime example, and I'm glad you brought up the Holocaust. I'm married to a Jew, so I know a little bit about, uh, about the Holocaust. And, um, I saw an article today, uh, and I was going to bring it on the show, but this may be something for the next episode. A a U.S. senator or a congressman uh, very recently made some comments. Um, he used the word hate, uh, Jewish, and it was a very hate-filled article. 
uh, obviously when he said it, he wasn't filled with hate. But when you look at it from another perspective, it was hate filled. We're going to talk about that on the next episode. That, that's what I'll bring because I, I really want to analyze that. But um, but anyway, the, the you know the point is um, we have a we have a a very public pedestal everywhere in the world, and you know our microphones here, you know my keyboard in the house. You're plugged in no matter what you do, and and I think that's that's also kind of I look at it like the news where you know we feel like the world is getting and I uh, my grandmother used to say this is, the world's getting so terrible. Well, you know there's always been terrible things. But when they happened, you heard about them in your community. So you and your 50 neighbors heard about these bad things, but nobody did. But we're plugged in now. So if somebody does something stupid in, you know, Nashville or Atlanta, the entire world hears about it. So I don't think, you know, people are getting worse. I don't think problems are increasing. We're hearing about them more. Right. And yeah. so when you've got that type of pedestal and you make a comment Sadly, you have to you have to filter every single thing that you say. You have to make sure that every word that comes out of your mouth, who, you know, what who's going to look at this this way, who's going to look at this that way. Pretty much everybody should just get off Twitter, get off Facebook, <laughs> yeah. quit, quit talking, right? Well, the thing is uh, that I kind of wanted to point out with the story is is the um the bias that um Disney has demonstrated in this. So um, I've actually got her post pulled up if you guys just want to reference it. Um, she said, because history is edited, most people today don't realize uh, that they get to the uh, realize that they get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews. The government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is this any different from hating someone for their political views? Now, then there's the picture of the woman running away from Nazi soldiers or Nazi police officers or whatever they are. Um, she says, this is, uh, that was a quote, but she actually says, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. So obviously that is a compare. And she says she didn't mean it this way, but I will just flat out say that is a comparison to how certain sides are treating certain sides in the United States today, you know, saying these we hate these people, punch a Nazi, stuff like that, you know, comparing them to very bad political views for their own political views. Uh, but I wanted to also bring out, if you look up Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian, like I said, I love the Mandalorian, I love the show. I really wish I didn't have to think about politics when I think about the Mandalorian. <laughs> right. But Pedro Pascal is is uh, left-wing, and that's okay. Like I said, your opinion, I don't care. Do whatever you want with your opinion. Um, but he posted this, um, I think it was several years ago, uh, back during the immigration crisis in 2018. And uh, it is a picture on the top. It is Jews in a, behind a barbed wire fence staring at a camera in concentration camps. They're emaciated. You know, they're, they're, they're in terrible condition. It says Germany, 1944. And then below you have a picture of, of uh, uh, immigrant children in a cage, America, 2018. So my question is, Gina Carano... She made a comparison, and I honestly think a, a decent comparison to the Holocaust. You know, we always want to cut down on Holocaust comparisons because nothing really compares to the Holocaust as far as how ter terrible it was. But on the level of Holocaust comparisons, um, this one is not that bad because it actually says what happened to them was bad. We don't want that to happen in modern day. This is how it happened back then. Don't let that happen today. Whereas Pedro Pascal basically straight up said, 
what's happening on the border where we're bringing in immigrant children, separating them from their families to protect them from child trafficking, feeding them, giving them shelter is equal to chaining people up in concentration camps and doing scientific experiments on them and, and gassing them to death. And I'm pretty sure on the level of who should be fired, if you have to fire one of them, it would be Pedro. You know, I'm going to say it's going to be the cameraman because as I'm sitting here looking at this picture of Germany 1944 with these kids behind the, the fence and, and America 2018, I think back to George Floyd. So many things that you see happening to people, there's always the guy or girl holding the camera. Put the camera down and go help people. Um, there's a problem. These kids in Germany, there's a guy holding a camera. Put the camera down and start letting them out. America 2018, these kids in these camps, you know, don't hold a camera, put it down and help people. Fair enough. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's kind of a problem that we see that, everywhere. That like, was a segue, but I just I saw that picture. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I realized there's everybody wants to get the video on the internet, put the damn camera down and well, go yeah. help. You see like, even with, um, uh, fight, like fight videos. I remember when that was a big thing, you know, world star, you see people all the time that were sitting there holding the camera while someone's having the living crap beat out of them. And they're like, well, why don't you help them? Like do something about it. Don't, don't film the active shooter, do something about, you know what I mean? Like there, there's everyone's out there wants to be the famous for having the video and documenting it. Kids. these, You know, I say kids these days, but I don't think that was a kid in, in Germany in 1940. No, that was, I, I'm not sure if that was an American photographer during like the evacuation of the camps or if it was a German photographer at the time, but either way, at least someone was there to document that. It's different these days when everything is very well distributed informationally. And, and back then, print was all you had. So you had to have someone in there to document what was going on. Yep. So before we move into Chloe with pop culture, Aaron, do you have any final words? I think what you said earlier is exactly right. Everyone needs to talk. Everyone needs to sit down, set their own biases, own thoughts aside. And we will realize that we have a lot more in common than we have uh, different. Like I always said that conservatives will get so much farther in this country if they realize that they put the racism aside, you'll get a lot more black people on your side. You know, it's easy. Most of the African-Americans I know are Christians, gun owners, and just want to take care of their family. You take color out of that, you that sounds to me like your average conservative American. So I believe that we, everybody just needs to sit down and have those conversations, put our own biases aside, and see things from the other person's perspective and we'll get a lot farther in this country. Look at that. That's kind of why uh, this podcast exists. You know, we, we want to demonstrate that although like all three of us here have different opinions and different experiences, we're not at each other's throats. We're not calling each other names. We're not assaulting each other. You know, we can stand to be in the same room as each other because we're humans and because we want to get along. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we haven't we haven't done a lot of political talk. And I think that's when our show is going to get really good because where <laughs> we differ a lot is is uh, is politically. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not here to change your opinion. Right. And, and I don't expect you to want to change mine or, or you know, yours. Um, I'll tell you how I feel about it. And you can walk away at least understanding how I feel and, and vice versa. And I think that's what it's about. Yep, I agree. Cool. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Right, Appreciate your time. And how about Chloe? Tell us about pop culture. 
Well, in pop culture news this week, uh, Tiger Woods has been a big subject of pop culture due to his almost fatal car accident uh, earlier this week. Um, A lot of people speculated that it was pills once again, because obviously we know what happened in Florida uh, almost a decade ago uh, when he was driving under the influence of pain medication, and he just had a back surgery a couple weeks ago. But it looks like now that uh, those roads are just really twisty and windy and he was running late and he was actually supposed to ride with his manager, but he was running so late that he told his manager and his assistant to go ahead. So they drove ahead and uh, he, I guess, was just going too fast around a corner and completely totaled his car. Uh, it was really like there's pictures of the car. I'm sure everybody has seen it, uh, but it was a it was a crazy accident. And uh, I just want to, I want to hear what you guys think of that. Cause obviously for me, I'm a golfer. So it impacts me a little bit different than it impacts everybody else. Well, he's definitely lucky to be alive. I listened to the press conference, um, the day it happened and, uh, they were, they told that it was, he was pretty lucky to still be alive when he got out of there. Um, he did have injuries to his legs, I believe. And then at some point they mentioned, uh, that he was having rods and screws put into his legs, which is not good for a golfer. So we're definitely talking about, um, uh, a terrible um, effect on his game, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I'm going to admit, I, I know nothing about golf. In fact, I'm not allowed in top golf in Texas um, for a very specific Excuse reason. Me? Yes, so I'm not I'm not oh, a huge golf fan. I tried once. We have um, a story sometimes. You know, it's tragic that, that anybody, especially in the public eye, had a had an accident. And, and, and you know, good wishes for him to, to get better. Um, I do want to say this. This situation kind of reminds me of the first Iron Man movie, the opening part. Or, you know, like, he redis- he doesn't ride with his manager and gets kidnapped by the terrorist, and then the manager comes back later and says, ride with me next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was going to say, oh. one, of my friends bro- <laughs> one of my friends brought up a really good point of saying, uh, you know, that, like, the day of the accident, he was like, I'm getting Kobe vibes. Like, it's L.A., like, it's an accident. He's one of the best in the world. And so it's like, you just we just all sat there and was were like, oh, my gosh. So I don't know. I don't, from a person that plays golf, I have doubted Tiger Woods before and he has come back. So, but at the same time as well, it, at this point, it is dependent on whether he really wants to come back. Uh, if he really wants it. would be a great time to end the career, you know. Yeah. And I mean, if he wants it, he can. Uh, it doesn't mean he's going to be out of golf forever. Like he will. But how old is he? He is, hold on, I don't want to say the I mean, wrong age. I feel like I remember him from when I was a wee young boy. So well, he's, he, he's, he's got to be up there. He was in the, his teenage years. So, so, I mean, maybe he's, you know, retirement age, golf yeah, retirement 50s. age. He's 45. So, no, not really. He's really young. <laughs> wow. Yeah that, yeah. Is, that is young. Yeah. So, and huh. the one thing um, that I really, I was kind of disappointed with the media and this, and the standpoint of them. Uh, the first questions they're asking is, you know, do you think he'll ever play golf again? And when will he be out on tour? This guy's got two kids. Like, they're lucky. And a lot of the pros and the PGA are all saying, you know, we're just happy that he's alive and he's okay. And, you know, that his kids still have a dad and things like that. So the next story, this is very interesting. And this is this is great. This is great. So uh, I'm going to preface this story to something that happened to me personally the other day. Uh, we have player meetings. I'm a golf coach. I'm a GA. And we have player meetings each week with our players. And one of our players was in a meeting with me and our head coach. And our uh, sports information director came in and was like, hey, are you in a meeting? And he and we were like, yeah. And he goes, okay. 
and he looked like he was gonna walk away and then he turned around and goes have you heard about the lady gaga thing and we're like it must be important if you're interrupting this meeting so uh Hmm. a couple days ago lady gaga uh, had a dog walker walking her two french bulldogs and the dog walker was shot four times in the chest and the dogs were stolen now that's not even the craziest part the guy lived so there's that the guy lived but the craziest part this is lady gaga's post today and let me put a visual it's a bunch of pictures of her two dogs and this is what she said quote my beloved dogs koji and gustav were taken in hollywood two nights ago my heart is sick and i am praying my family will be whole again with an act of kindness i will pay five hundred thousand dollars for their safe return (gasps) email and whatever the email is to contact Brother, us. Brother, we're going to Hollywood. Or if you bought or found them unknowingly, the reward is the same. I continue to love you, Ryan Fisher, for risking your life to fight for our family. You're Aww. forever a hero. Aww. That's literally the... This guy got shot in the chest four times. She better and be the- giving him <laughs> some money. Were they specifically wanting those dogs because they were Gaga dogs? Or is this random? I'm not sure because what I know about French Bulldogs is that they are very expensive and very rare. Like like over $1,000 a piece. Like, what, Do they have over. pictures of these dogs online that we can look up? Yeah, they have. And maybe I we mean, could. If you, look at, if you look at Lady Gaga's Facebook or any social media, I'm sure she's posted about 1,000 pictures of them the last two days. Since How many they have people been taken. do you think have found a similar-looking French bulldog and called Hollywood? That's what I was about to say, is maybe we should start selling French bulldogs on eBay. Oh, God. And make a little bit of money. That's what, that's what my friend <laughs> oh. said. He said, I think I'm going to uh, go to L.A. really quick. I'll be right back. So, But, yes, these dogs, they don't know whether it was random or if it was targeted because it was lady gaga's dogs surely because where else are we gonna have someone shoot you four times to steal your dogs here's the other question if you were the one who stole them why not just be like oh i found these dogs and give five hundred thousand dollars maybe that's what they're doing they're holding them hostage for now there you go until she raises it to yeah but you have to know that, that the police are going to definitely look into whoever finds these dogs, how they have a connection to whoever they got them from, because they want to find out who shot this guy. Well, yeah. I wonder if this guy, like, he shot him because he didn't want to have a witness about who stole these dogs. Like, well, how he didn't in the do world a very is this good job, then. so controversial? Uh, you know, uh, let me just say this. If I'm walking your dogs, Gaga, or anybody, and they're expensive French bulldogs, and you come up to me with a gun and you say, give me the dogs. I'm handing you a leash. Like, oh, yeah. Take them. You know, and I'm sorry. I'm not fighting. I'll put and them in your car. I, I, You know, I guess he worked for her or whatever, but I am not fighting. And I appreciate the fact that he did. That that shows a lot. But no, here's the leash. I'm out. Yep. And, and, and it might be a different mindset. You know, I doubt that that person expected the dude to have a gun. We don't know what happened. You know, maybe he said, no, I'm not giving you the dogs. And then in response to that, he pulled out the gun and shot him. I mean... Uh, this is just insane to me. Like, mm-hmm. this is insane. Yeah. Yes. This is the state where they prevent you from protecting yourself. You know, legally armed gun owners, they are, they are regulated to prevent you from protecting yourself. But then, of course, these criminals can still find guns and, and shoot people for the dogs. And the dude would have had no way to protect himself. Yeah, it's really escalated for dogs. Mm-hmm. I will say... But anyway. I will say in the perspective of Lady Gaga, she's been through, I think, I think she's married now, but she's been through two almost marriages... 
or she was I, I don't think she's been married before this guy that she's with but she's also like 34 so she's getting up in those years of like you know probably not gonna be childbearing here soon so I could see where you know she sees those dogs as her children and that's how she cares about them but sure. still like the dude got shot for them like I just, on the flip side though I love my dog so yeah mm-hmm. if, if any yeah. of us are walking my dog you better you better whoop them oh, I've, I've had this I will call it a problem all my life that if I in my head if someone is harming my animals I will go all the way and I'll probably be end up in jail like yeah. I'm so passionate about my animals we saw that kidding. we've seen that before We've, yeah, yes. may have seen that happen before. I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> I almost killed an animal, though. <laughs> we joke about it, but I would do some dark stuff to somebody over my dog. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, in other news as well, in music news, going off of Lady Gaga, um, the techno group Daft Punk broke up this week oh, after no. about, wow. about three decades worth of music. Um, they broke up in a video that they called epilogue that was from one of their early videos from the early 2000s that they kind of clipped together and that uh their songs were really popular obviously um but they were parodied in family guy and surprisingly surprisingly enough the powerpuff girls i didn't i didn't know that um but they also (laughs) collaborated a long time since i've seen that show with uh the weekend pharrell and other known artists so uh i don't know why they broke up like a lot of people were saying can't you just like nobody knows what they look like because they wear those like helmets so like can't you just like hand it to somebody else and like have them wear it you could like the blue man group they've been together for like 30 years somebody like it's but you know I, i reckon this to elton john and his farewell tour like that's it it's over if, are they really quitting? You know, that, that's but then COVID happened. Then COVID happened, and he is still continuing his farewell tour. Darn. It's like a twelve-year farewell tour. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, marketing. It's like when uh, McDonald's takes away the McRib or the spicy yeah, chicken nuggets, and two months later they're back. And that going out of business rug sale. No, it's the going out for business signs. Going out for <laughs> going business. Out for business. Yeah. Well, we'll get to. I want to talk about something that you talked about last time, Chris, uh, which is Letter Kenny. And I just want to report to you. I did you. watch some of that, by the way. I oh, do good. want to report to you. <laughs> I watched the first episode. It was the same as the first time I watched it. And I tried to watch the second episode, and I just couldn't. Just couldn't do it. Oh, come on. Okay. I'm sorry. First off, he starts I love fighting you, but people. J- Jesse, you're going to need a prenup. I can tell now. <laughs> um,. Secondly, clear. <laughs> um, you know, I guess it's not for everybody. I, and Eli nodded, so you've seen it. What's interesting is I want to know how many women like Letterkenny, because the comedy was just not there for me. It's a very like I'm not saying there's not women in the show, but the first two episodes I watched, it was very manly. Like I'm gonna go fight people. I'm gonna like get mad at everything. Also, from a I'm I'm also into like film, obviously, and theater. And, like, the shots that they were doing just were not working for me. They did, Like, mm. cutting them half off. I will say, having three dudes lined up at the urinal all trying to talk to each other was kind of funny. Because I was like, that would never <laughs> happen. But, like, and, like, the one guy's like, look at me. And he's like, no, dude. Like, this is weird. And he's like, no, look at me. I'm doing the Bieber eyes. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's so funny. But that was about you it. Haven't wa- you haven't watched enough. Do you know who Shorzy is? Has anybody seen Far Enough? And do you know who that really is? Okay, I have a theory. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna do any spoilers right now. But okay. if you guys ever get to the point where you've seen more than like two episodes, um, tell me who you think Shorzy is because you never see his face. I have to say that you know, I I did watch quite a few uh, 
compilations on YouTube to get a taste of it. So I, I think I from what I can tell, it's really good allegedly. So <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. You can have my Hulu to watch it if you would like. I will give that to you. Not right now. Because I don't want the Come whole tell everybody now. Yeah, just tell me your password right now. Oh, here okay. That, please. Sure. Um, Chris, have you watched any Marvel things since we talked last? No, I'm just I'm not a fan. Boo! You said you, you don't were gonna like, try. Uh, WandaVision? Uh, well, I tried. You were gonna try. Yeah, yeah I, I just. WandaVision. I tried WandaVision, and I I felt so sneaky. Like everybody in my house was in bed, like kids in bed, and I thought I'm gonna finally watch this show. Maybe I, <laughs> maybe I can get into it. I felt so I dirty. Turn my, turn my VPN on so nobody <laughs> sees my network. <laughs> I felt so dirty. Well, but you know, uh, I, I started watching it, and I'm just like, I just I I can't. It just it's not me. Oh, man. I will tell. You gotta get past. It is one of those things, right? To get past the episodes, there. I you gotta, you gotta take your own medicine, man. You gotta watch it. Yep. Thanks, Chloe. So, what a long episode, and I feel like we just uh, kind of pulled the the bandaid off. And we will get into. We had some good conversation actually off the air with with Eli and and Jess, and and we're gonna dig deeper into this issue. So we'll have Aaron back um, coming up. So keep listening to the show. I agree. I think we need. We're kind of taking it slow, starting off. We don't want to jump into some sort of uh, political wrestling ring at first. But I think as we go, when we get more comfortable with uh, each other and our guests, we'll be able to dive deeper into these issues and actually get some real opinion out on the table. Yeah. And for our listeners, we are open to ideas. Uh, do you have a topic we want to discuss? Uh, shoot us an email. Yep. There's uh, both of our names, Chris and Jess, J-E-S-S-E, at stillloveyabro.com with a Y-A. That's right. Yeah. And click like on your podcast platform. Absolutely. Also share. Leave a comment. Can they do that? Uh, sure. Give it a try. If you can leave a comment, leave a comment. Yep. Click like and share. Catch but thanks for listening. This is Still, Still Love, Love You, Bro. bro.